Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Balance Virtually provides full-service financial planning services for small businesses, nonprofits, and startups. We can help you manage your monthly reporting, bank and credit card reconciliations, budget and forecasting, payroll services, and much more. To schedule a consultation with a certified public accountant with over 16 years of experience helping people like you, visit balancevirtually.com. Balance Virtually, your locally owned full-service financial planning service company. Mahogany Bookkeeping provides a full-service financial planning services for small businesses, nonprofits, and startups. We can help you manage your monthly reporting, bank and credit card reconciliations, budget and forecasting, payroll services, sales tax, and much more. To schedule a consultation with Mahogany Bookkeeping, click the buy button on this ad or visit mahoganybookkeeping.com. Hi, this is Yvette Freeman, publisher of The Envoy. If you're a minority or female business owner or creative artist, The Envoy magazine wants to help promote your business. Get listed, get featured, get seen. Visit theenvoyguide.com for more info. Welcome to the Veronica Edwards Show, where we have fun financial conversations that everyone listening can apply to their personal and professional life. I'm your host, Veronica Edwards, and I'm so excited to be back another week on my show here on Biz Radio Asheville. As always, I want to thank the listeners and the creator and producer, Matt Matan, for allowing me to have a show. And we just encourage everyone to continue downloading the show so we can continue reaching more streaming platforms. So today, I'm very excited because we're introducing a new monthly segment that we're calling CPA Chat that's featuring a fellow CPA that's been on the show before, friends of the show, Miss Michelle Tross, owner of Michelle Tross CPA C-F-E-P-L-L-C <laughs> um, and on CPA chat, we're going to discuss financial topics that are beneficial for for-profit and non-profit small businesses. So I want to welcome back Michelle and I'm just so excited to jump to the segment. Michelle, welcome. Why, thank you, Veronica. That's an awesome introduction. I so appreciate it. It is a lot of letters and, and it's it's a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as always, we um, have we in the beginning of the show, we tell the guests, you know, tell the listeners about you in case they didn't hear the first show. If just tell everybody like where you're from, a little synopsis about your business, how you got into accounting, all that fun stuff. Absolutely. Well, of course, um, everybody heard the first show. I'm sure of it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they did. Right. Of course. Right. Exactly. Uh, But just in case, it's an excellent point uh, just to remind everybody. So I I have been in the uh, Asheville area for about 25 years now. So officially native. I know. Right. Yes. Um, I moved (laughs) down here from the New England area where I had uh, been living for a few years following graduating from college. Um, And so what brought me down here was, of course, a job. Um, I Mm -hmm. actually started in accounting through college. It was I was at a liberal arts university. I'm actually an economics major. I did not major in accounting, believe it or not, but was afforded the opportunity to get an intro to accounting class. I fell in love with it. I realized that this is for me. So I tried to pursue as much accounting as I could. When I graduated, uh, studied super hard (laughs) for the CPA exam. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we can all chuckle about that now. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, So 
so when I studied and, and got my CPA, I started in what well, I'll call a traditional route, I guess, in public accounting, went into mm-hmm. internal auditing. And it was when I was in internal audit that I became pregnant with my oldest and decided that all that traveling as an internal auditor was not going to be conducive to motherhood. And so yeah. I took a position with one of the um, uh, segments, one of the business units that I was working as an internal auditor for, for this holding company. And, and that brought me down here. So I was like, yes, okay. I love it. I'm going to move to the mountains. This is awesome. Here, had several different jobs in accounting and then moved my way into not-for-profit world and, and was a director of finance for a local not-for-profit. And then from there decided this is such an opportunity here in the Western North Carolina area. We have so many wonderful businesses yes. and not-for-profits. And I thought I I need to to do share the love right I need yep. to I need to help as many as I possibly can so I decided to to start my own firm and and there you have it here we are now almost wow. ten years later yes <laughs> kind of crazy that's so awesome <laughs> no I love your story because there's a lot of people that I work with that did not start the traditional route of being an accountant, you know, accounting major, getting their master's in accounting, all that stuff. So I want to encourage people um, because I'm working on what the young lady I introduced you to, Rachel, and she's going to be doing some bookkeeping for me. Background is like science, you know, but she found that desire to do bookkeeping. So it's never too late to learn. And we're always going to be plugging the fact that this is a field that we need people. You know, you're always going to need accountants and good bookkeepers. Um, One of the reasons why I'm working with a bookkeeper is so that I can help more people like yourself, um, like you were saying with um, creating your firm, because it's so hard to find a good bookkeeper nowadays and, and no one's really taking new clients. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. And I love the story about Rachel. Um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. If you have a passion for for math, for accounting, for bookkeeping, for, mm-hmm. you know, the general debits and credits, <laughs> then mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, pursue it and uh, certainly become an accountant. Uh, yes, it's it's a great profession. It opens a tremendous number of doors. Um, and it's yes. really a, a sort of an all encompassing kind of arena. You learn so much about business in general and understand yep. a lot about accounting finances, financials of, of businesses. It's just so fantastic to pursue that uh, route uh, as far as a career is concerned. And I agree with you. I wholeheartedly support anybody who's interested in doing that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the key things in getting yourself out there is making sure that you can network. So I wanted to share the story of how me and you met a few (laughs) years back, probably three years now, if not four. Um, But back when before the pandemic, it seems so long ago, um, the North Carolina Association of CPAs, we had a meetup that would take up monthly. And I believe it was there where we met at, or someone referred me to you. I'm thinking it might have been, what is the uh, the gentleman's name that has the forensic accounting firm? Forensic accounting firm. Ah, gold something, Goldstein, I think. But he's, he, and he would always do the cleanup um, on the river mm-hmm. and the CPAs. I feel like he might've introduced us as well. I'm going, Blake, oh my gosh. But he's um, also part of the JCC. 
Yeah. So um, I think actually, um, you know, we we had met a whole bunch of people right at the NCAC, you know, meetup, which is such a phenomenal group um, and and such a great, great way to to meet fellow accountants and CPAs in the area. Um, You were actually doing some work for for another CPA in town, Mona Wade, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. And Mona and I are are also friends and colleagues in, in the community in the area. And so it was through through all of that networking that that we got introduced to one another. And it's been a, an amazing friendship ever since, right? <laughs> yes. And the time just flies. And it, I just want to encourage people that you might meet somebody and it could be years down the road, similar to me and Matt with even this radio show, things might not happen when you think it's supposed to, but it always happens right on time. So I just thank you again, Michelle, for wanting to do these segments, because I do think it's important. Um, yes, I like to talk about people's backgrounds and relationships, but also we do want to get the word out about accounting because it is becoming, I hate to say this dining dinosaur mm-hmm. where a lot of people are just afraid of it. They don't want to deal with it. They're not getting in the profession. And we've had some great experiences with different networking to the point I can't even remember which networking event or how we <laughs> even connected again, because there were so many things out there where I do feel like the community is reaching out. So if I can do a little bit more on my platform, I absolutely want to do that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Networking is is so wonderful. It's such a, a great component of, of business in general. And it's really, really fantastic to do here in Western North Carolina. So many opportunities, so many groups, and everybody is super open to it. Absolutely. Well, let's just jump into um, some basic accounting best practices that we can provide to listeners that are small business owners, regardless if it's for-profit or if it's a not-for-profit. And I want to jump in on that and get your thoughts, Michelle, because when we were talking about the show, you had made a point to say, well, can we also talk about things for nonprofits? And absolutely. And I just want to get your thoughts on that because we have quite a few Mm -hmm. um, non-for-profits in Western North Carolina. And I think sometimes people forget just because it's missions-based, it's still a business. That's exactly right. I can't tell you how many times I am preaching that to (laughs) not-for-profit clients that I have or even not-for-profits that I get involved in or meet along the way. If if not-for-profits would more... Uh, you know, tend to look at themselves as a business, uh, I think the better off they would be. I think that would base and form their decisions in a much better way. And by that, what I mean is that, you know, a not-for-profit it's des- it has by design it needs to make a profit just because we call it a nonprofit mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it shouldn't make a profit i think too many not for profits think about oh i just have to spend as much as i make you know in terms of the services that mm-hmm. i provide etc mm-hmm. that is not the case the more money that a not for profit can accrue that becomes the net assets that we can then turn around and reinvest in our not for profit whereas with a for profit business of course those net profits are the net revenues, we can turn around and buy more equipment or we can increase salaries or whatever we can do. Also great uh, ideas and great ways that we can spend that money. But with nonprofits, it's really important to continue to earn more than we spend as much as we possibly can and continue to accrue reserves and excess funds that are available to grow and expand the nonprofit for sure. Yeah, you hit that right on the head because I'm taking over the books from my son's school, which I'm recording at right now um, at Asheville Pisca Christian School. And that's what they're struggling with. And, and they're totally fine with me discussing that. That's part of the strategic plan that we have for the next few years is that we've had a zero budget. 
mm-hmm. meaning that if we spend a million dollars in rev or receiving a million dollars of revenue, we're spending a million dollars. But the problem is we'll have some plumbing issues. That's a couple thousand dollars. It's an older building. We might have to contain some asbestos or we need to hire um, an assistant teacher when the class is overflowing. And we can't do that right now. We're really tight and we're, we're having to get to that point where we don't want to do it, but we need to raise tuition, you know, or do some more fundraising because we can't continue to operate just breaking even. Right. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. And I, I, I encourage nonprofits to think about themselves in all the decisions that they make and how can we accrue reserves? What money do we need to continue to stockpile for those rainy days? And how can we, you know, get continue to gain more funding, more revenue, more grants, whatever we need mm-hmm. to do, but don't just spend it all. Try to uh, reserve some for those rainy days, but also continue to grow the services that we offer through the nonprofit. Uh, so it's there's so much that they can do in, when they think about themselves in a for-profit way like that. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into some of these best practices for small business owners. Number one, Michelle, always on my list, I'm not sure if for you, is having a separate business account from a personal account. Do you agree? I completely agree. Yes. And it makes it, doesn't it make life so much easier if you can separate? Yes. And I think people just are so used to, well, I already know what's what. And, you know, I've always just given a spreadsheet to my, my tax CPA at the end of the year. And I'm like, but you're only looking at it once a year. And it's so important to have it separate because actually in a lot of the tax software, the question is asked, does this person have a business? business bank account, you know, because um, the IRS is going to look at this possibly as Mm -hmm. a hobby, meaning Mm -hmm. you're not trying to make money. So you shouldn't get any of the tax breaks or the benefits of having a business. So you want to make sure before you even get started, it doesn't matter if you just put 50 or $20 in a business bank account. When you determine that you have a business you want to start, it's important for you to get a separate business checkings from your personal checkings. Completely. Yeah. I love the point that you make about from a tax perspective, but also just from a business perspective, I think the reason why it kind Mm -hmm. of starts this way is that small business owners in particular, when they first start, they just, they just think of themselves like whatever I make or sell or produce, that's my revenue. That's my income. So I just spend my money accordingly, Mm -hmm. even if it's for personal purposes. And I try to explain to them that, like you said, the excellent point you made about taxes, that's one thing for sure. The other thing is, how is it that you're going to be able to analyze and assess how your business is doing. Should you grow it? Mm -hmm. Should you add Mm -hmm. more products, more services? Should you add a different location? Like all these questions, should I add people? Do I need help? You know, how are you going to be able to assess those financial metrics if you can't separate your business from your personal? And so it's very simple, right? Set up a separate Mm -hmm. bank account, just like you said. And then the business transactions all go through one bank account and personal goes through another. Now, I think that confuses Small business owners, they think, well, yes. how do I get money out of my business? If that's- <laughs> yes, they <say. laughs> So we try to explain yes. to them that there, you can still do that, right? We can still take mm-hmm. money and put money into in and out of our business. And we can do that through the, the equity section in a for-profit business or through, you know, we don't, we definitely don't do this on the not-for-profit side, but there are ways that we can create journal entries to move business, mm-hmm. you know, business or nonprofit transactions in and out of a business. But it's just super important, super easy to do right from the get go. And then if you do it at the same 
same bank, right? It makes it even easier yep. to then transfer money from account to account right online. Yep. Yep. That's what I do. I bank with Wells Fargo. I have my, one, my mortgage was through them. So everything is through there. So when I'm doing an owner's draw, because I'm still tagged as a sole proprietor, the only person, the only owner of the business, I just make a transfer certain times of the month when I need to do anything personally. And I just had a client where they said, okay, I have a different bank from check, you know, cause they want to do a, a, a state credit union, which you can't have a business account with those. And I said, just write yourself a check. And they, it's like the light bulb went off and they're like, oh, it's that right. simple. So Michelle, yes. <laughs> piggybacking off what you said, saying you want to be able to analyze the books. My second golden rule is you need to reconcile your books monthly and review your financials monthly. Because again, I can't know what's going on even in my personal life if I'm just looking at my bank account once or twice a year. So I know sometimes accountants offer quarterly services or twice a year services, but I recommend monthly reconciliations. Mm -hmm. I want to get your thoughts on that too. I completely agree. Yeah. I think uh, the other thing I find uh, people kind of misunderstand is we've got this technology, right? And most of the accounting softwares allow for our banking transactions to download into our accounting yes. software. <laughs> and so you, you, it's like, yes. oh, well, you downloaded everything. Why do I need to reconcile? I was like, well, first of all, we need to make sure that we got all mm -hmm. the transactions that came in and out of our bank did download properly because sometimes there are glitches. And thank goodness, yep. not often, but sometimes we may miss a transaction in or out. So oh. it's important to reconcile, yep. which means just making sure everything's there and accounted for. But you touched upon the, the key, I think, is if you're doing that regularly, like you suggested, which is super important, then it allows for a regular review of those financials of the organization, whether you're a for-profit mm -hmm. or nonprofit, the regular review of how things are going is really important. And then then not only is it important month over month to just make sure you're looking at it, but imagine how important that's going to be and how much information you're going to be able to glean when you can look year over year over year. And so mm -hmm. that's what accounting really is, right? It's about data. So we put yes. all this data into the system. We need to look at that data. And so even yep. for myself, like you mentioned your business, even for my business, I'm always looking at now, as I mentioned, I'm almost 10 years down to next, next spring's going to be 10 years, which is fantastic. I'm super excited. Yes. Um, yes. But I can go back and I can look at different transactions and when things have happened in my organization year over year, month over month, how did March of this year compare to March of last year versus March exactly. of this year. That's, that's key. That's key to understanding the business and growing the business or not, but making those decisions with that data. And that comes from reconciling monthly and reviewing your financials monthly. Drop the mic. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I get chills when I hear this accounting stuff. I love it. But, <laughs> and then I think we have time for one more, Michelle. And I want to get your thoughts on the, the number of years because I've had numerous accountants give me different years. Um, my third golden rule is you need to keep all of your receipts. And I recommend for three years. So I wanted to get your thoughts, Michelle. What do you recommend your clients to keep receipts for? That's so fascinating. I, I, I think definitely at a bare minimum three years. Yes. And I think what's also interesting is everything is electronic these days. So mm -hmm. you can still see and get, you know, invoices and receipts and all that really good supporting 
evidential documentation that will be necessary. So you want to keep it and you can keep it electronically or in paper form, either whatever makes you more comfortable, but making sure that you're keeping that data for a, a minimum of three years. The, the, the issue, right, is, is to be able to support the decisions you made and the transactions that happened in your organization if you should be audited. Is that how you yes, feel? Exactly. And so, you know, typically the IRS can go back three years, but they can go back indefinitely if there's any fraudulent activity. So right. I just tell folks three years, like you said, as the minimum, I've been some places that said five, some seven. Now mm-hmm. keep in mind, there are permanent files. We're not saying get rid of your right. articles of incorporation or some of your um, EIN information and your your W-9s. We're not talking about that. We're talking about receipts for like meals and entertainment, receipts for fixed asset purchases, vehicles, furniture, fixtures, things of that sort that are um, purchases that if at some point, to your point, Michelle, if the IRS came in, they, you have to prove that this was business related versus personally related. And unfortunately, if people don't do good bookkeeping, I have met people through just Mountain BizWorks, doing coaching, had to pay back $50,000 for legitimate business expenses because they did not have their receipts. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think people forget there there are these you know real business needs and real business purposes. So you're right. The, the risk of audit is really important. I think also that would really help people is, and it's very easy to get, you can Google it right online. There are, there's information out there and charts that you can use that will help guide you as to what to maintain and for how long. And like you said, Mm -hmm. understanding what your permanent records are, those need to be kept permanently and that's great. Mm -hmm. And we put those in a special file. It also is Mm -hmm. important to understand what receipts and what transactions and what supporting documentation we need to retain for how long in which files. So you mentioned for example, fixed assets. I may advise mm-hmm. a client, depending upon that fixed asset that they bought, you know, let's retain those, the, the invoices, the evidence of the purchase of that asset for maybe three years beyond the actual mm-hmm. asset life, or maybe beyond mm-hmm. the, when I'm done depreciating that asset, whatever the case may be, it's just really right. important to maintain some of that documentation using that guide as the online, you know, chart as a really good rule to be able to help guide you in in what makes the most sense for your organization. We don't want to be drowning in paperwork or documentation, but we're sure that we're evidencing what we've got going on. Wow. And Michelle, just like that, we're getting to the end of the show. So (laughs) I just want to recap quick, real quick, just these best practices, keeping a separate business account versus your personal account, doing your monthly reconciliations, meaning looking at the source document, the bank, the credit card statement, comparing that to your QuickBooks or your spreadsheet, whatever you're using and making sure that you're reviewing your key financials, profit and loss, balance sheet. And then of course, keeping important receipts for a minimum of at least three years. So we're going to keep doing the CPA chat guys once a month for the next few months. And next month in December, we're going to be talking about the year end checklist for small business owners going into a new calendar year if your account if your fiscal year ends December 31st. Some nonprofits is June 30th, mm-hmm. but it's still applicable regardless of when your end of the year is. It's just that we're coming to the end of 2021 and we want to make sure that everybody's prepared and taking notes so that they can you still have time. You still have time to make a yeah. difference on what your tax liability or income refund can be. Yep, exactly. Well Michelle, thank you so much. And I can't wait for us to record our 
our next CPA chat. And as always, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Please come back same time, same place, 4.30 p.m. on Fridays. And you can stay connected to all things Biz Radio Asheville by going to bizradioasheville.com. Super fun. I'm so excited. CPA chat. This is awesome. (laughs) Yay. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.